Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind, where we get an opportunity to revisit some of the good interviews and guests that we had on JM in the AM. Uh, We'll start with Charlie Harari. He's got a brand new book, Unlocking Greatness. He was here the day before the book was released to the public. Unlocking Greatness with Charlie Harari on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. JM in the AM on a Monday morning, and we've been... uh, We've been uh, trumpeting the fact that uh, Charlie Harari would be in the studio with us this morning in hour number three to discuss the brand new book. The book is called Unlocking Greatness, the unexpected journey from the life you have to the life you want. It's Charlie Harari with Mark D'Agostino. It is, if I have this pronounced properly, a Rodale Books release. That's the proper pronunciation. Rodale Books and Charlie Harari. Welcome back. To JM in the AM. What an honor to be here. Thank you, Nachum. It's so great to be in the studio with you in the Lower East Side, the Holy Lower East Side. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming in. As you know from my social media post, it was a it was a great moment when this book arrived. <laughs> I mentioned to you off the air, although I don't like discussing anything with the author before we start our conversation on the air, but I did say one thing to you, and that was that I enjoyed parts of this book so much i mean i enjoyed the whole thing but certain parts i just enjoyed so much it was a great read and um i'm gonna start with this i don't know if this is fair this might be an unfair thing for me to do because i don't think there's only one theme to this book i think there are multiple themes but if someone really pinned me down and said siegel what is it that harari is saying in this book i sort of feel that you're saying that destiny is in our own hands, the old sports metaphor, right? Right. Destiny is in our own hands, that we control a lot more of our present and future than we think they than we think we do. Would that be at all a uh, an accurate description? Absolutely. You you literally hit the pin exactly like exactly on the, on its tip. That the goal of the book is to move the if you will, if we think we have a certain amount of control over our lives, like a very small amount of control, it's really to expand that circle. God runs the world. Right. And at the end of the day, what happens to us, what's within us, what's around us is all God. However, a lot of, pe- a lot of people think that much of their lives is given to them. And they are playing a very small role on trying to get by and then the kids and the spouse. And they were, they were given this and they were that. And then it goes even further, right? They were given how they were raised, their experiences, how they deal with things, their anxiety – there's so many things in our minds and in the world around us that we just assume we are passive for when, in fact, we are active for. Right. And part of life is not to say – it's not life isn't binary. Life isn't a light switch. It's not either I'm in full control or I'm in no control. People like that a lot. It's either it's all in God's hands or there's nothing – and there's nothing me or it's in my hands. And people – it's very hard to grapple with just how much Hashem puts in our hands. And says, listen, I've given you an incredible body with a, a, a incredible mind and a soul, and I put you in this world, and you gotta you gotta like work. You gotta you gotta make it right. happen. And by the way, that includes people who have deficiencies in their body. That the, I mean, it, 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 yeah. it means not just healthy people, it means everybody. Yeah. Because you give examples of people who are in really difficult circumstances who make the most of it, to say the least. Right. And who certainly, you know, jump into that uh, area where, you know, they believe that destiny is in their own hands. Um, so, you know, there are many cliches and, and accurate slogans that we've heard over the years. Um, you know, uh, you're as happy as you want to be. Um, uh, you, uh, you, you, the way you react, you can't control when something happens or how it happens, but the way you react to it, you can control. So we've heard things like this over the years. It, it seems like those themes are part of your big picture, that all of those things are, you know, part of this whole taking control of yourself and really advancing oneself. And one other point before you answer, one other point. For us and this audience, you are speaking to a generally very faithful community, one that does put a tremendous amount of of um, stock in God, in the fact that God runs the world, as you just mentioned. And if you were to ask people in this audience what percentage of your life is guided by God or Torah principles, most of them would likely say 100%, that basically everything I do or don't do in a typical day is guided by the rule book of God. With that in mind, is it harder for us 
to adjust to us being in control of our own destiny when, in fact, we are leading our lives 100% quote-unquote controlled by God's rules? No, I think that's the point. I mean, the, the whole goal of the book, If in, in the middle of the book, we speak about this idea of unity, right? Unity really comes from the principle of Yichud Hashem. In fact, this book is built on the principles of Panemius. And one of the things I tried to do, because it's published by a division of Random House, it was it's not a Jewish book, but the principles are 100% aligned with Kabbalah and Hasidus. In fact, what we're doing next is publishing Mar Makomos off the book. <laughs> and I already have two hours of shiurim that we'll hopefully get out to the public post this book launch to show that everything in the book is totally aligned with what I think Kodesh Baruch Hu is teaching us and telling us for our everyday life. So living a life based on Torah and Hashem is exactly aligned with this. But here is where I think we make the mistake in that part of what we are supposed to do in this world is grow and be better. That's our. If that wasn't the case, there'd be no Yom Kippur, there would be no Tshuva, there'd be no Tachanun. The whole goal Hashem says is, listen, you can't come in here and sit on the couch. Like you know, what I'm saying I'm not giving you a remote control. The, the idea is like get to work. You know, what I'm saying Like the the a man's job is to be amal, is to work, is to is to make something of him or herself throughout their lives. Most people think that work takes place in hands, in what I do. And they don't, it's hard to understand the power of the mind because we can't see the mind because it's, we think it's us. And that is the, the, the hardest and the most incredible thing to understand that the mind is a muscle like any other part of your body. And if you work it properly, you'll have a different life. And if you don't, just like you tell you, if someone says something, I'd love to like lose weight, but like. It's all on Hashem's hands. Hashem's right. like, really? Okay, I know it's in my hands, but right. like the 18th helping of chillin' doesn't actually help my cause. You know what I'm saying? Just, but, work, you know, work with, work with me. Work with me a drop. You know, I put you in this world. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't kvetch to me when you're on the seventh portion of dessert. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not taking all your calories. I know your grandmother said that you don't get calories when you eat somewhere around Shabbos, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> Any of the six days that's around Shabbos. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, until Tuesday if you're holding, and then Thursday it's already almost Shabbos. So if you eat any calories from Thursday to Tuesday, the malachim take it. <laughs> And I'm that with you. It never works, you know? It just never works. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'm with you, Hashem says, and like, I love you, and, I, and I'm with you. But you got to, like, I put you in this world for a reason. Like, you know, I want you to be healthy. You got to take care of your body. Like, eat healthy. But when it comes to one's mind, and this is really the core impetus of, of the book. And mind is not brain. Mind is not exactly. brain. Exactly. When it comes to one's mind, your mind is connected to your soul. Your brain is a piece of machinery that God gives you. Right. So your brain has habits it has insecurities, and those insecurities are fixable, but they take a lot of time. But once you see your brain, the way you would see your body, the way you would see your muscles, then you can say, hey, wait a second. I have this issue, or I don't know this subject, but I can learn this subject, and I can do these things. And that person we had in the book, Barbara Arrowsmith, mm-hmm. this woman was told basically that she has to live her life, and she's totally – listen, everyone has their own sort of mental challenges. I don't want right. to put everything into one bucket, right. but – her challenges was she couldn't even understand any level of analysis. And they said to her basically like, you're done. And she's like, what do you mean I'm done? They're like, well, we can't teach you. And she's like, well, I'll just figure out a new way to learn something. And she ultimately creates this incredible career for herself. And that's, I think the most empowering thing we can understand is that when you're born with Selimental Kim, you don't have less power. You have more power. You have Hashem's power. It's not like you sit around and go, listen, we have Arabs around us, but like, you know, okay, listen, like hopefully, I sh- no, you, the army is a piece of Hashem, right? The the work we do every day, when you go to work every day, Hashem is through you. And when you recognize how much Hashem has given you and what body he has given you, yeah, it only makes you feel more powerful. I think a lot of us uh, sometimes get into the trap where it's us against Shachros and Mincha. It's us, you know, that, that we, that we that it's a battle. You know, that we, we always talk about the battle with the Eight Zahara and that, you know, and we don't realize sometimes that all those things are in our lives to enhance our lives and to you know help us grow help us improve and and that can be that can be difficult also um i wonder if things are more difficult today because you point out in the book that the brain is satisfied more quickly than it used to be because of google and finding information immediately and this very shallow understanding of the world really comes very quickly to everybody 
is the is the mind even more ignored today because the brain is so much more quickly satisfied? Absolutely. And this is exactly the way you work, your brain works is through neuroplasticity, right? As you have a thought, your thoughts literally create the structure of your brain. And when you have thoughts, when those thoughts are, are, are filled with stimulus, they, they get almost stronger and quicker. So in the old days when you had to figure out information and knowledge and it took a long time doing it, what you were doing is filling in a depth. Your, your brain was having depth. It was thinking through things. And so when you had a subject, your mind had a lot of intricacies and small nuances around each subject. Today, we think we know something when we Google it in a second. So what we know is very little about a billion things. And then yeah. we say to ourselves, well, why do I have to learn more? I can just Google it. The idea of I can just Google something is I don't got to think because let, let the computer think for me. And that's good if you want to like know how to get somewhere. But it's really detrimental if you want to have any level of knowledge of something. And so as a result, if things don't feel really quick, if we don't get stimulus right away every second of every moment, we start getting bored. And then since there's more stimulus out there, as opposed to taking the time right. that in the old days you got bored, but you know what? You sucked it up and then right. you learned. But, and then, but you have children in the phone generation. Do you, do you fear that they you know, could grow up with this you know, shallow approach that you just oh, described? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we work very hard. And it's funny because people think that the internet, the pro- there's a lot of issues with the internet. Right. right? There's a lot of good and a lot of bad. Right. People think that the, the biggest issue is what's on the internet. Right. There's a bigger issue than what's on the internet, and the issue is that the internet c- conditions you to not think deeply on anything. So what you're building are individuals that grow up in a world where if they're not being stimulated every second of their lives, they don't get anything. So they don't take the time to think through things when it gets bored. That's why shachers, for example. And in the book, you'll see when you go through the – when you have the habits chapter, you right. see what Kodesh Baruch is doing. is actually – he built the place. He knows what he's talking about, right? Like He's like, I got you. Everyday habits and rituals. And what Shachos is supposed to do is if you do the same thing every single day, after a while, since you know it already, it feels very regular and habitual. You're supposed to go deeper. However, it takes time to go deeper, right? You need There's patience. It, it gets a little, quote, unquote, boring, if you will. But in the depth, that's when you find the greatness. But if you live in a world where everything is stimuli, stimuli the minute you feel a drop of boredom, you see people all the time, they're on a train. Yep. The second, they're at a wedding. The second, that little bit of like boredom, it's a second that it's like not being stimulated. What do they do? Straight to the phones. Right. So when you put that into your job, into your career, into your wife and husband, into your kids, and they want you to read Goodnight Moon for the 80th time, and you're like, I am so bored. Let me put the phone behind your head and pretend I'm talking to you. <laughs> So, yeah, you wonder why kids are like, yeah, mom and dad don't know who I am. Yeah, because most of my experience when I'm on the swing after two swings. <laughs> enough is enough. <laughs> enough is enough because I need to be stimulated. That's all conditioning. That's all mental conditioning that's going on. You read the book. You'll see exactly how it works. And you can you can come around that. You can fix that. And you can, you can sort of condition your brain for more depth. Interesting. Charlie Harari is here. You hear him Thursdays right after JM in the AM with Unlocking greatness on the Nahum Siegel Network. There is a brand new book. It's called Unlocking Greatness, The Unexpected Journey from the Life You Have to the Life You Want. Uh, this was released when? Officially what day? It's officially tomorrow. Tomorrow's the release yeah. day. So you can order everything. Any, everything gets ordered today. Is, today is the, official, the unofficial launch because right. when you click purchase today, you get it tomorrow. Right. But tomorrow is the official launch date of the book. Cool. So, and go to all the usual places on the web in order yeah. to. Uh... Amazon.com. You go to, I have a website, Unlocking Greatness Book. Um, so, if you go there, you get like all this free stuff that I give away to get people to order. Um, but otherwise, you go to Amazon.com. Including some of the charts that you have in here, right? Yeah. I, we actually have a, we have a bunch of charts in there. We actually, we turned it into like a 35 page, really nice color PDF that you can just download for free if you go to unlockinggreatnessbook.com. Very cool. Um, and if you but it's got it's got to be ordered today, tomorrow, because all these all these givings are given away before the launch date, which right. is officially tomorrow. All right, so try to uh, order it today, everybody. Unlocking greatness, Charlie Harari, you get all those bonuses and the tomorrow's the official launch date. So we say Mazal Tov to you. Um, so the book opens with <laughs> with what many would call a typical conversation with uh, with the, I don't know, average uh, husband and dad, you know, who's speaking to you and the story that you tell about, you know, what sounds like, you know, he's not getting out of life what he wants to get out of life. And when he says, and when you say to him, well, what do you want out of life or whatever the exact, you know, question was you asked him, he sort of gives a legitimate answer, in my opinion. He says that, you know, I want a good career, family life, you know, appreciate my kids, this and that. And you, 
the way based on the way he said this, you're saying to yourself, no, 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 no. There's some, there's something here. He's not really telling me what he really wants. What is the difference between what he said and what he really wants? Yeah, that's, that's I'm happy you brought that up. That's exactly right. Most of us, w- w- if you really get down to what, why many of us feel unsatisfied, like you see people walking around, and and this has almost been cliched, but you know, you look at the the generation that unfortunately is passing away. They're getting older. God should bless them. The Holocaust generation, and then you just sort of skip two generations, and you look at their kids or even three their grandkids, right. and. If you, if you really went into the life of anyone from the Holocaust and you would say, listen, in a couple of years you'll have this, they'll be like, we're dancing in the streets. And you speak to some people that are living the lives that we have, right? The lives that we live with, minion every day, or everywhere in the world. And they can't believe it. And we're unsatisfied. Right. People are generally unsatisfied. And Even question, though we have everything. Everything, right. right? In fact, we have things that like, it, it's so beyond like what anyone would have dreamed about. Like, you know, you walk into a bar mitzvah, if there's no sushi, you're like, there's a God in this world, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's the thing And it's that, gone way beyond that. <laughs> right. And, and, and why is it, like if we really, so, so there's gratitude, things like that, but he, the right. reason that, that, that I think really is the core of it is because we cut and paste what we want in this world from other things. We cut and paste it. Like as a kid growing up, they teach us, here's what you want out of life. And they list it for us. And we look around the world and the world teaches us. And, and you, family, career are usually part of it. Exactly. Right. Family, career, this, that. And we right. sort of – we have a list of what we want in life. Right. But we never actually take the time to get under the core of what we are after. What are the things – what does that mean to me? Why do I want a family for? Why do I want to – what do I want to accomplish in this world? The, the depth – I want connection with human beings. I want a connection with myself. I want to – Bring, I want to contribute something to this world that makes me feel that intangible feeling. Like we spoke about getting up in the morning. But why the, wouldn't career and family cover that? It could if you're focused on what you want. Why was that guy not focused in your it, opinion? Because what he was doing was he was cutting and pasting what he should want. How do you know that? Because of the way he said it. Because the it, was, way, it didn't look like he meant it. Because if he really wanted a connection with his wife and his kids, not I want this type of wife and these many kids. If he really wanted a career that he was contributing to the world, not I have this much money so I can buy these many things so that the people think that I'm successful. Right. right? And that's the game. It's subtleties. Life is about the nuance. The difference between the guy that bounces down the street and the guy that walks with his shoulders down, they can have the exact same life, but one guy is one inch deep on the surface and one guy is living underneath the surface. And that's what God wants from us. He says, listen, I'm going to give you a life, but don't be shallow deep what you don't want to get married you want to connect to another soul that nuance is massive because being married could be i want someone to work for me right. and to make me feel good and and to and cater my needs so if this person was really committed to his marriage and to his family you believe that it would have come out in the conversation he'd be on fire if you, you, you'd feel it just speaking to me you'd yeah feel it. you see people that if you see people that get married or that have children and they are so committed to their families their relationships, unless there's a major exception, they're they're strong, and it's not like I want to get married or I want to have shalom bias. They hop that it's not just a check on the checklist. They're 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 sacrificing for right, it, and they're happy about it. And there's yeah, a happiness to it because that's the, that, the the key is that happiness is the product of the work. Right. We think that happiness is like a gift that someone gives us on the doorstep. <laughs> it's like when you come home and like the kids are like, Daddy, you're the greatest thing in the world. And you're like, well, Daddy, I feel happy. No. <laughs> happiness is what you feel when you're doing what you should be doing. Right? Happiness is the product of when, real happiness, not like the, the momentary stuff. The, one that, the stuff that lasts is the product of I have sacrificed for what I've believed in. I have sacrificed for what I should sacrifice for. And I have the strength to be vulnerable, and I have the strength to try. And, and have, that could be in career as well. 100%. Right. It should be in career. In fact, that's why some people are so un- upset in their careers. They're so dissatisfied because – Even if they have the money, even if they have the 20-hour-day work days, they're still dissatisfied. Right. And, and one of the greatest things – we call this in the business world golden handcuffs. One of the greatest misconceptions is that money will bring you career satisfaction. Mm-hmm. That's what a golden handcuff is. You're in a job that you hate, but they pay you enough money to stay. Right. So you don't love what you do. You don't sacrifice what you're doing. You're not contributing. And what I mean, that guy doesn't wake up early in the morning happy to go to work. The guy who has a job and all he's doing it for is the money yeah. does not wake up early in the morning. What he does is he wakes up early in the morning. Many of them to make more money because he thinks Don't that the reason happy. why I'm not happy is because the house only has two extensions. Right. right? If I'd go here third, for Pesach, right. then I would like click into some magic happiness feeling. 
And I don't mean that in order to be happy at work, you have to be in the nonprofit sector. Right. There are a lot of people. Or that you are, can't go away for Pesach. Right. You can go away for Pesach. Right. You can go away for Pesach. Right. Go for Pesach. Just, just don't make that the. Right. If the your thing whole in your, goal in life right. is where you vacation, right. you can still do that. God bless you. I'm not judging right. you. I'm just saying that it's not going to make you happy. What makes people happy is the connection. And in the book, we speak about the connection. We call it unified energy. Unified energy is the closest English word we found to or ain't self, right? Because at the end of the day, what Hashem really is, we spoke about this on the show a lot, He's not up. Right? We put God up and be like, hey, I know you're up there. I'm down here. Can you like give me some goodies? It doesn't really work that way. He's not up. He's in. Hashem is in everything. The or, the energy of Hashem is everything. And the feeling you have that feels great is when you take your or, your piece of Hashem, and you connect it to Hashem's greater or. When you connect something to something deeper to yourself— that feeling of connection is what feels good. That's why when one takes care of somebody the way they think God, that they want God to take care of them, they feel somewhat godlike. They exactly. They feel like, you know. The principle Hashem says is if you really want to be like me, then you got to act that way. Right. That's why, and by the way, and I told this in the book, try it. It's incredible. You're having a bad day. You pass by a door. Stop and hold the door, door for somebody else. It's incredible. In a second, that person walks through. They smile at you. And you feel different. How come you feel different? Like, what would you do? And the answer is that when you give, you're connecting to something deeper. When you're a giver in your job, in your career, with your family, what happens is you are connecting your soul to something deeper than physical, to spiritual. And it's not just in shul. It is in shul. But one of the greatest misconceptions that we have is we think that God only exists in shul. It's in everything. You can find Hashem everywhere, and you can increase the level of your soul and the way you feel about things every second of your life. And when you look at life by what you get, you get a wife, you get kids, you get a job, you get money, you'll never feel you'll be happy because getting and taking is physical. You, By the way, and it applies even in Torah. You see people that are learning right. and they take daf and they get shas and their goal is not to give their mind to God, their goal is to get some wisdom to feel smart or to finish something. And their God bless them. Or to just good. tell everybody that they, that they did Daf Yomi every exactly. day. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's good. Keep on doing the Daf. Right. I'm, I'm telling you not to show up. I'm saying, then you see some people that will do one line a week, but they're giving their entire soul to one line of Shas, and they walk out of that room, and nobody knows who they are, and they don't say, I finished the Masechta, and they just feel intangibly different. Same Gemara, same wife, same kids, same job, same parents. The difference is one person's giving, sacrificing, tapping into spirituality, one person's taking. And when you do the, that difference, that nuance is everything. Now, if you combine the two together, if your brain is conditional, right, it's conditioned, right, and if your soul is based on giving, now here's the secret to everything. If you can condition giving into every aspect of your life, now you've unlocked your inner greatness. And uh, a good example of that would be, what well, would be a far-flung example of trying to incorporate giving into some area of life that usually is not associated with giving? What would be an example? Would be an example of that? I mean, and everything that you would do in life. Your whole life is your capacity to be a giver. And you can do, like, uh, the way I tell the, the students when I do this is that it's just moving the bar up. Every just right, right now, people that are listening right now, just look at three things that you do during the day. Take okay. your career, take your family, and then take God. Take right. three things just today, and and tell yourself today I'm going to move the bar from being good, getting by, to being great. I'm going to sacrifice a little bit more. So when I go dive and learn today, I'm going to push the no, the needle just a drop. So I'm going to concentrate more than I ever think I could, just a little bit. When I get home and I usually expect this, I'm going to push it a drop and help or say, or say smile or hang with my kids. When I go to my work today, I'm going to push whatever I do a little bit more. And I'm only going to do it, only to be a giver. I don't expect any money. Mm-hmm. No one's going to tell me you're a great husband. God doesn't going to give me more golden coins from heaven. Just the deal. If you push just push it up a drop. Like imagine like as if like you're in a plane. Just move it up a drop. What you'll find is that while you do it, it's going to be physically a little painful, but you're going to feel a little intangible like what was that? So when you say giving, you're talking about the traditional methods of giving. Nothing Absolutely. nothing far flung as I suggested. Just doing what, you know, acting a drop differently at work, acting a drop differently at home, positive of course. And uh, and in synagogue, just, you know, 
Ha- having uh, having the proper intent for at least one of the brachos. Right, exactly. Don't get dropped. Don't, when, before you leave, you know, like when you take the, we take the spaceship, right. before you leave by the first, you know, Baruch Atah, just hold on until Magen Avram, and then you can book out until Modu. Right? That's the idea. And, and, You're a realist, I see. <laughs> but, but, but people, and that this is a, another major misconception. People think that greatness is this massive thing. But when you really look at oh, the... That's why I wanted to ask you about the title of the book. Because you just said three minutes ago in this conversation that that, what you just described, unlocks your greatness. Those small little gestures that you just recommended, those unlock your greatness. Greatness is a big term, you know, and and it is the title of the book. Are you suggesting that, that if one makes those small little adjustments to their life and they're in fact in the greatness arena already? I'm saying even more. I'm saying that if you look at anybody in the world that's great, and this is what we, we spoke a little bit about this on the show last week. Any, if you look at anyone in the world that's great, quote unquote great, right? Let's take people that we see, like an athlete, or oh, you or, do mean physically great as well. Physically great, or take spiritual greatness. If you right. look at the people that we say they're there, and you go, if you go from literally from 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 side to side, you take someone who's a Super Bowl athlete and Lahav, you take someone who's a Gadol Hador, right? right? If you just take someone who's great and you put a microscope in their life, they have done most likely nothing great. What they do is everything in their lives are constantly in motion to being better, right? The athlete who throws, when Nick Foles throws the pass on the line to win the Super Bowl, he is great. No, he's not. That pass was just him sitting in a room a bajillion times throwing throwing the same football but saying to himself when he was eight years old, how do I throw it a little bit better? The difference is that the world clicked on and watched him on throw a million, and we go, oh, he's great. Right, no, his greatest moment, right? That, that the thing he did, the action that he did, is a very small action of throwing a ball. It's just that he pushed himself a little bit every day to unlock his greatness. Lahavdil, you see a Gadol who knows Shas, who Davins, stories that we have of Moshe Feinstein, who had the most impeccable Midos. And we like to say, oh, because they came on this earth, and when he was four years old, somebody hit him with a bike, and he got up and said, thank you so much. And he opened up a safer, and he was like, oh, all a shas. It's not true. It's not how it works. There, I'm sure there are stories like this, <laughs> and I'm sure there's an Ashama out there, and someone's going to call me like, no, okay, I got gotcha. What he did and what made him great was when he started learning, he said, I'm going to give everything to this bracha. Right. To this line. So when one is great in the area of finance, and you know law and finance and that whole arena, when one is great at that, what are they doing on a daily basis to get great? And is that considered greatness? Many of us, you know, the athletes, we can understand. I am watching a level of greatness that that really almost nobody else on, on earth, we just had the Olympics, almost nobody else on earth can duplicate, right? Um, I just said before you got in here, I was t- speaking about this uh, from woman in Israel who was the number one Israeli, uh, a from woman, number one Israeli woman in the Jerusalem Marathon on Friday. Well. So that's a level of greatness, right? And we can understand what they, what she did every, even though mm-hmm. we can't relate to it, we can understand what she did every single day in order to get to this point, right? Yeah. But finance, the legal field, those who sit at a desk all day, what are they doing to obtain that greatness and to enhance their lives? And is there a spirituality to it? Uh, yeah, and exactly that's my life, right? This is what I'm doing, right? I work in real estate and finance, legal. This is what I do a lot of my day. The way they get great, and people think that they're like geniuses. These they're not they're not geniuses. Most I mean, the people are smart, but what they're doing is they're looking at their craft, whether it's this particular area of law or this particular area of finance or real estate or or commodities. Whatever you're doing, what people are doing is they are looking at their trade. And pushing themselves to understand it a little bit better every day. You have a building. How do I make that building run? How do I buy it smarter? When I look at a deal on a sheet, what part of that deal am I missing? How do I get better every day at the work that I do? When I'm a lawyer, how do I read things, structure deals, defend clients? What do I got to do to become better slowly every day of my life? That's how they get better. And it's not more likely that a physically great athlete would be happier than a than a cerebrally great lawyer. No. One, one has nothing to do with the other. In fact, the other way. Even I, though for us, it's easier to understand the greatness and how they obtained it when it's a physical trait. I think the greatest people that are at the greatest risk of being unhappy are athletes. 
because athletes spend so much of their time. Listen, the world-class athletes know right. it's all a mind game, right? right? Tom Brady knows it's 90% in his mind because that's, it's all the game up here. But when you look at people that are physically great, and I would even go further, when you look at people that are successful, remember, great and successful are not the same thing. Right. Right? Greatness is who you are. Right. Success is what the world gives you. And that's a whole nother cheshman, right? Whether or not, and this is, by the way, a huge difference. When you are working on your inner greatness, you start to feel so good about yourself because you're doing what you should be doing that the world doesn't have to give you as much as the people that sort of go by and expect it all, right? You don't need – Again, the, you become a giver more than a taker, right? Exactly. Right. People that are successful – Let's take athletics or even in finance, right? In areas that are not mind or soul related success, they are at a major risk point because they're feeding, their brains are conditioned to feed off success. And when that success doesn't come because of factors out of their control, they have a hard time unless they are prepared for it readjusting. The athlete who is successful at athletics, when he's 35, he's already over the hill, he's got 70 years left of his life, but right. he's only conditioned himself to connect his greatness to being on a field. And he only kept getting greater from, I don't know, the age of 12 on. like you know, Exactly. When you take someone who's, 30s, right. who's successful at business, unless they're developing their larger mind, if they're not givers, the market may crash. So when you sat with that guy, getting back to the beginning of the book, Unlocking Greatness, when you sat with that guy who obviously, I don't remember if you said it or I just implied it, as I'm reading it, is he's obviously somebody in the world of finance, it seems, right? Yeah, he was a banker. Okay, a banker. So he's in the world of finance. So it is possible that you would have sat with him in Starbucks and you would have gotten a vibe, this guy's really great. Sure, this lot. guy's really – it's not because he's in finance that, that that he's in this state. He could be in any field that he would be in this – I don't want to use the word depressed because it sounds like a clinical word, but it, 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 anybody could be in this you know, down – State of affairs. Oh, yeah. I've seen people that are sitting in positions that are supposedly like the most inspiring, you know, teachers. Right. And, and they are literally in a place of misery. And I've seen people in complete finance. And and, and, the and greatest, you've seen teachers who are. Yeah. The greatest people in the world. Right. Where, wherever you are in life. Experiencing great joy. Yeah. Wherever you are in life, if you believe you belong there and you're doing it for the right reasons, that's where you belong. Right. There, there isn't a path to Hasha. Every the, the, the goal is everybody. And that, by the way, is. You look back two generations ago, and, and I miss these times, or like or even three, and you see people like my great grandparents. They they could have been they could have been sweeping floors, right. and they they they're connected to God. They're they, they're and they're proud of themselves. Like only, and to, that's all they expected from each other. Yeah, because the cause, floors was fine as long as they're spiritually inclined and they're where they're supposed to be on Shabbos. Absolutely, and all. they they weren't thrown in this world of like if I don't reach this grade. This level of net worth, this many likes on this. We live now in a world of like it's like a fishbowl of materialism where all of us have to reach levels of things for us to feel like we're worth it. Right. And if you're not, if you're getting an 82 on a test, you get a call, uh, your son, in, but isn't he in like first grade? Yeah, I know. We're worried about him. Maybe we should give him some drugs. <laughs> you're like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe we should like, you know, turn him into a zombie for the. Back in like, there was a time where like, you get to just be anything. You could be a woodcutter. You can be, you can be taking the, 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 the water from the well if you did it right. If you did it as a giver, if you did it with all of your soul, whatever you do, you could connect to the deepest portions of yourself. And I do this, by the way, after I wrote this book, I got to tell you, honestly, I walk the streets and I have all that usual like bias, like, oh, this person's important and that person's important. You know, that usual stuff we walk with. And I look at every person now from the book and I'm like, this person that I'm looking at could be the greatest person in the world. I don't know. You take some immigrant that comes in right. who's working 25 hours a day and putting – they could be the greatest person in the world. God could look at them and go, look at this person, humble, everything to this family, killing for what's right. You can see a, a mother out there who looks like a regular mother. She could have two or three kids with neshamas that come into this world in bodies that don't really work, so to speak. Right. And God could look at her and go, Your, the whole world is being held up by you and nobody even knows you. That's – Greatness, and if we just change the perspective, we I, we'd want to be like them, and not just trying to be as close as we can to whoever has more Instagram posts in the secular world that we can sort of be as close as we can to. You know what I mean? Charlie Harari is here. The book is called Unlocking Greatness. Order it today, everybody. Trust me, you will be uh, thrilled with my recommendation. Unlocking Greatness is the name. You know the name from the uh, Thursday show that follows JM in the AM. 
hosted by Charlie Harari. You have some great people who have, uh, including Dr. Pelkovitz, who means a tremendous amount to this audience, yes. who have uh, approbations for the book. Um, and it is a Rodale, right? Is that yeah. correct? Rodale release, R-O-D-A-L-E. Also mentioned, uh, Charlie mentioned earlier, that some of the extras that you can receive with the book are available today because the official launch is tomorrow. So if you order the book today, uh, you're entitled to those extras. And, of course, you'll receive the book uh, essentially this week because, yeah. uh, hey, it's, it's is there a big party, big celebration? What's going on? I'm actually going to be – we, the tour starts today. You're the first stop. Thank you very much. This is the beginning. I am honored. <laughs> this is, we're going, thank God, to a whole bunch of cities across the country for the next two and a half weeks until Pesach. Um, but the official sort of uh, – I don't know if it launched, but it's going to be in Shiva University uh, Wednesday night. Nice. Uh, Wednesday night. This yeah. week. This week. So we're doing actually a great event. We're doing an event tonight in Chazak in Queens. Tomorrow I've got a great event. You know, you know LTB? LTB or, or PTEX, great organization. In Cre- right. We're doing an event in Crown Heights tomorrow night with them. And then Dr. Pelkowitz and other people. Um, uh, Wednesday why, night? Wednesday night because a, a lot of the material here came from my course there. I taught in the business school for a bunch of years. So I'm going to go back to Shiva University and uh, – and that, you know, Dr., you know, Rabbi Selvachik's mentioned in the book, sure. so we're gonna have a, well, you know, go back there and hopefully talk about it. If God's listen, it's all from Hashem. Whatever He wants, hopefully it'll be a, hopefully it'll be nice. It must be an amazing feeling when you're, when you're told that you've actually changed someone's life. When you're told that when when you and now, you know, people think you know, to change someone's life has to do a big thing, as you just described. It could be a little tiny adjustment, and they'll they'll experience a big change. Yeah, small uh, with, adjustments. With this book, you'll probably be hearing that more and more. I please, hope so. Uh, Thank you. With your, your with your mouth to God's ears, if 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 one person uh, is inspired a little bit, it's worth it. And that's really true. When you're writing it, you you know writing it writing it make I feel very vulnerable. You put yourself out there a lot. You know you got to get out there and write. And it took a very long time. I mean, speak about the small things. Just to write that took a, a year. Wow. And it's just and when you give it to these you know you give it to the to the editors and they just rip it to shreds and they'll, and it's almost like no way. And then you write it again. <laughs> And then you give it again, and they just they rip it until they finally think it's worth it. And don't be insulted by this question. Why were they interested in this book? I have no idea. Seriously, I, I, seriously, you know, to, to get into that world, you know, it's it, it's a, it's a four year process. It starts with putting a proposal together, and then sending it out to all these agents, and then from an agent going into all these publishing houses, and then and then it's all God. It's really all God. We had this one person. Uh, my agent is from Dallas, Texas. And she picked it, and, and I can't. And the, the, it's just the, the story of how we got here. If I just told, we'd have to do a full show on it. It's a hundred small little. I I think they're divine little nuances, and that's I think how Hashem runs the world. Nuances. He doesn't split a C anymore. Those days, are, you know, we're, we're celebrating. We went through that. Era. We went through that. Era, right? He's like, okay, I got C's. I'm done splitting C's. Okay, it can mess you guys up more than help you. So, if you care about a C, just go read about it in the book. It's the small things that God does for us, right? Like He just happens to have the Egyptian army at eight thirty sitting there while the Israeli for like the small things, you know. And some people don't see it, and some people do, and that's how life works. If you want God, to see God in your life, start paying attention in small so ways. So this process oh. showed you God in your life. Oh my gosh, the smallest thing. The, the co-writer I've got co-writer. He's, in, he's a he's a wonderful fellow. He's out Mark of, D'Agostino. So he was. Where's he from? He's from City? New Hampshire. He actually wrote. You know Rudy. You know the movie sure. Rudy. So Rudy was my first uh, recommendation. Cool. He wrote his book. We met over coffee. I just told him what I wanted to write, and he's like. You know, I'll help you write it. And he helped me write the whole thing. And he happened to have been in the office of an agent a while ago and said, you got to pick this book versus that. But this crazy sort of – and the person who picked it up in Rodale, all these – it was just a, a long process of small little things. And, and along the way, just trying to push yourself to, to just try to work harder every day. That's Were they I mean. intrigued by your speaking career or that was completely separate from the proposal for the written word? I think it was separate. I think I, I I can't tell. I don't know. I think I think a lot of it was the the ambition of trying to say we're going to do something that's going to be a little bit more. We're not just going to hit a nuance. We're going to push harder and give you a little bit more. What's interesting about the book, which I think is unique with God's help, is a lot of times you find a book that's sort of one dimensional. It's about your mind or about your soul, or about your. We tried to do a whole bunch of things. We tried to do four chapters on the mind, four chapters on the soul, right. and five chapters on like you know practical application. So I think that was a little intriguing to them. But I, I honestly think they were like, we're not even sure this is going to work. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know what Rodale's expectations right. They're like, are. you know what, go try. We'll tell you no thank you later. <laughs> and I got to tell you, my first draft, it came pretty close. <laughs> when I gave my first draft, they were like, um, we're not sure. So why don't you try again? And 
I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit, you know, sort of. Uh, and eventually came together. And thank God. Listen, it's all from Hashem. Thank God. It really. Um, and I hope. I listen. I hope people like it. I hope people are happy. And and like you said, it really comes down to it. And I've learned this through the book. It's really the small nuances. It's just if you just tweak at the margins every day for the rest of your life. And that's the story of Sphere Settlement. You can have the life you want if you make those small adjustments. Yeah, and that's it. We're, we're searching for some life, and God's like, I gave it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're all like, if you give me this, God, God's like, huh? I, no, 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 I gave it to you already. Like, I know what I'm doing. Just look at the life I gave you, but now look at it with the with the lenses of make it better every day, and trust me, when you get to the end of it, you'll say, oh, by the way, you gave me the right life. I mean, there are people in really, really, really difficult circumstances who to say make the most of it is an understatement yeah yeah and, they, and they get what you just said yeah there are people in real challenges and they're they are the greatest people that we have and because we live in a world where we're so focused on these material sort of markers of success many times we just fly right by them and think the greatest people are the ones with the those the the, the gold medals around their necks and i'm not taking me from olympic athlete but it's it's the, the greatest people we have are those people that are just making their lives better with what and and with happiness and right. joy, and we miss it. And and it's the Holocaust generation that we we're, we're losing every day. Right. You know, I lost my grandfather this year. You know that. And and that's a that's a generation as as of people that just were the greatest people ever. Not because they all hit some kind of like you know benchmark of financial net worth. And we know people. You know people. I know people that are living greatness the right way. And if all of us lived that way, every day getting better, we, we would be different people. Our nation would be different. Our kids would be different. They would grow up different with the technologies and they would just grow up different. They would grow up with all that they have, but they would have this intangible like, no, every day, give more, give a little bit, push. And it's not major. It's just a little pers- different perspective. You're the one who uh, told the world, take the shot, right? <laughs> and you took a shot here. I hope so. What did Wayne Gretzky say? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So you right? took a shot on this book. Yeah, let's hope it goes in. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling I have a feeling you're, uh, and you know what they called him, the great one. Yeah. <laughs> they called very good. I should have put that in the book. Yeah, why haven't I told you beforehand? <laughs> I have a feeling this one is heading straight to the net. Uh, the Unexpected Journey from the Life You Have to the Life You Want. The title is Unlocking Greatness. Charlie Harari with Mark D'Agostino, Rodale Books. Check it out. We recommend you uh, order it today because if you order it today, it's considered a pre-order. And you get all the bonuses and all the special things uh, that um, that are being offered with the book. You could also go to unlockinggreatnessbook.com, right? Unlockinggreatnessbook.com. Yeah. Or Amazon. Or, or Amazon, of course. And all the information is there. Just search uh, Charlie Harari, Unlocking Greatness. Well, Mazal Tov to thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. A about pleasure. That. And I am flattered that this was the first stop on the big this book is, launch Of tour. course. This is family. Thank this is it. Much. That show, you know, but you're a, you're a big big part of my life. You're a big part of the Jewish people. And speaking of Unlocking Greatness, you are definitely an individual that has done so and continues to do so every single day of your life. I appreciate that very much. As you said earlier, from your mouth to God's ears, how I hope you're accurate on that. Uh, Charlie Harari, I thank him for visiting us here on a Monday morning at JMNAM, seven minutes before nine o'clock. That was my conversation with Charlie Harari, author of the book, Unlocking Greatness. It's available now everywhere. Regal Bank was one of the sponsors of our Yeshiva League Sports Championships. We had an opportunity to speak with the founder of Regal Bank about what it's like to have a community bank in our community. RegalBankNJ.com. That conversation is next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, well, we owe a debt of gratitude. Oh, although debt may be a bad word to use when, <laughs> when we have a professional banker on the line, but we have a, a debt of gratitude certainly to Regal Bank of New Jersey. They are among our presenting sponsors of the uh, Yeshiva League Sports Championships. It's coming Sunday, of course. The hockey championships take uh, center stage, 1 p.m. Eastern time, NahumSiegel.com. On the homepage, you'll be able to view the junior varsity and varsity matches that will be going on um, as the hockey champions will be determined this coming Sunday. The chairman of Regal Bank is um, uh, David Orbach, and he is with us live via telephone. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Bad phrase to use, debt of gratitude with a banker on the line, huh? 
<laughs> yes, it was a good one. Pun intended or pun not intended. <laughs> yeah, with me, I have to assume it was intended one way or the other. Website is regalbanknj.com. I mean, I, 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 I am so fascinated by industries that I unfortunately don't know a lot about. So explain to me uh, what it is like being chairman of a bank, uh, especially these days, and uh, how it is that a bank can play a role in community service and really being an important part in the community. Well, being uh, part of the community is, uh, is something that we strive to do uh, since we started 10 years ago. And being a chairman of the bank is, is quite unique and, and quite a great opportunity to, to be able to do so. Uh, you get to not only help individuals by either taking their, depo- taking their deposits or giving them loans, but you also get to do a lot of great things for the community. And one of the things that we're known for, you know, we're based in Livingston, but we have 10 branches in, in the general vicinity of there. Um, is that is, is for our, we're very much known for our community involvement. We support a lot of causes, both uh, both Jewish and non, both in town and out of town, um, and we support whatever we can. And the one the opportunity came to uh, to be able to support the the Yeshiva High School uh, Junior Varsity Varsity Championships. Uh, I took the opportunity and said, "Why not?" And it's much appreciated. Regal Bank is a full service community bank headquartered in Livingston, New Jersey. It serves. Essex, Hudson, Union, Somerset, and Eastern Morris Counties, offering the very best in products and services designed to help you meet your personal financial goals. When a bank is founded, is it difficult to then expand to further branches? Like, is it a big deal when you go from one to two branches and then eventually from nine to ten? Uh, yes. It originally, well, to start uh, years ago was, uh, was a challenge to begin with. Uh, we actually started around the financial collapse uh, or right before it. So it was a very nerve-wracking time to do so. Uh, but once we got up and running and we were able to expand and find new locations and expand from there, uh, even though it is a challenge because you're in a growth mode and, and trying to, uh, to start a business from scratch as opposed to being a known brand like Citibank or Chase, so you're going up against the big boys, it takes so, some time to, uh, to, to make inroads. But uh, that's where the community involvement really comes into play by being part of the community as a small community bank you can actually touch people greater than the big boys could, and that's where you start to really develop your name and, and brand, and then you develop a following, and from there you're able to then go into other towns and, and kind of expand. Dave, so, Dave, David Orbach with us, chairman of Regal Bank. Which is your most recent branch? Which is the most recent to open? Uh, we opened down in Somerset. How recent was, was that? Recent? That was about a year ago. Hmm, interesting. And um, today, these days, uh, you – rightfully so, as chairman, speak about the uh, capability the bank has and in reality the way they do interact with the community and you know give that personal service, so to speak, when in general the banking industry is going in the exact opposite direction. You know, today, one can do all their banking without ever walking into a branch. <laughs> that's, that's true, and, and we have those capabilities as well. That's one of the great things about the, the technology that's been coming out over the years, uh, when it first started, only the big boys, you know, the, the really big banks could afford it, and, and it put us at a competitive disadvantage. But now, every every few months, the new technology is getting cheaper and cheaper. So just like you could deposit by phone or, or, or remotely or online with, uh, with all the big, big guys, as I like to say, we have the same capabilities. So our branch structure is, is much uh, smaller. You don't, we don't have these monstrosities of, of, of space. We have small branches. Uh, to give the personal service to people that still want to come into the branch, but we also have the ability to take pictures of your checks and deposit remotely in case you never want to come into the branch. So we have we're able to do both, uh, both serve the customer on a, on a personal need if they so choose, but also give them the capability to never walk in the branch if they if they don't as well and just have a great back office to do so. David, are you amazed at how um, reliable? that system is all the technologies i know and i know some people you know who've had their identity stolen etc you know might argue with me but it is pretty remarkable that all this banking through pictures and images and mobile banking through apps you know is as secure as it is uh yes it, it is uh it is people do get skittish especially with uh i'm sure everyone on the end knows or either one person removed from someone that may have had their identity stolen but usually it's it's always uh a function of how good your people are. You could have the greatest technology uh, out there, but if you don't have the, the right operations, the right back office people that are going to watch it and run it, uh, it's not going to do you any good. So we, we like to we like to say that we have great people as well as great technology, and that's really what tries to set us apart. 
Hmm. Uh, is it difficult for all your branches you were founded in and all your branches are in the state of New Jersey? Is it possible to expand to other states? So that's a, a process that's uh, that's very difficult. No, there's no limit. I mean, I, I could open any in any state that I want. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, having the most bang for your buck, so to speak. Uh, if I open up in Long Island and all my branches are located here, it becomes a standalone location and it's harder to manage and harder to, to integrate into your own network. So we've, I've taken the, the conscious decision to expand in concentric circles not too far from where our branches are just so that we can have a better tight hold on, on the operations and obviously serve the customers in the right way as opposed to having dots of branches all over the place and not have any really uh, real nexus. Why did so. you choose the name Regal? Uh, I don't know. I guess I always kind of like uh, medieval names, uh, something that stood out as uh, as powerful and, 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 uh, and noble. And that Regal just kind of uh, just kind of came to me. Hmm. Well, it's worked so far, huh? Yeah, so far it's worked well, and, and hopefully we get to continue to, to, to expand and continue to help the communities and especially sponsor other types of events within uh, the yeshiva world uh, and, and non-yeshiva world to really to make an impact, because ultimately that's what people remember. They, don't, they, may, they may not remember the loan that you got, but they'll definitely remember all the good that you get to do within yeah. the community. So that's no, really what it's all about. No question about that. David Orbach, he is the uh, chairman of... Regal Bank. Go to the website regalbanknj.com regalbanknj.com and from what I've read you have plenty to offer not only the small business but the larger corporations as well. You have a lot of things that people would be interested in uh, even in the bigger places. Yes, uh, we do a lot of uh, real estate loans, uh, small and big um, and we could help uh, a lot of investors or a lot of uh, depositors uh, as well. We're a full service bank that uh, that runs the gamut of, of products so Happy to help anybody that calls or, uh, or that needs help. All the online services, the rates, the uh, uh, business and personal banking um, uh, ideas and suggestions, they're all online. Go to RegalBankNJ.com, RegalBankNJ.com. David, again, a big thank you to you, and uh, enjoy the hockey games on Sunday, and <laughs> continued thank success you. with Regal Bank. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. A pleasure. David Orbach, he is the chairman of Regal Bank, 10 branches in New Jersey, based in Livingston, New Jersey, and a great desire, as you heard, uh, on his part to uh, continue to uh, do wonderful things for the community, and that's one of the reasons we had him on to uh, thank him and to acknowledge uh, the um, sponsorship of the Yeshiva League Sports. That was my conversation with the uh, chairman of Regal Bank, information at Regal Bank NJ. Dot com. Rabbi Yoshua Marchuk joined us recently to discuss the bike uh, NCSY that's going to be happening. It's an amazing event in June to raise money for the NCSY Torah Fund, their great scholarship program. Uh, Rabbi Yoshua Marchuk, Bike NCSY on JM Rewind here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Well, Rabbi Yoshua Marchuk is with us live via telephone. He is director of NCSY alumni. He's also one of the people that is extremely, extremely excited about uh, the 24th of June. The 24th of June is the day that Bike NCSY is going to be taking place. Rabbi Marchuk is one of many, many riders that you could sponsor. He's on his way to his $2,500 goal. And if you go to the Bike NCSY page, bike.ncsy.org, you can uh, you can see how he's doing and how much more funding he needs. Some people, believe it or not, are really, really close to their goal already, which is pretty cool. Rabbi Yoshua Marchuk, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. How are you today? All right. We're going to help you get to your goal. Simple as that. Perfect. That is terrific. <laughs> you you wouldn't mind that, huh? That would, that would be amazing, especially <laughs> as I look out the window and the snow is falling in large masses over here. So uh, thinking about being on my bike, and having it all sponsored by the time, you know, Pesla comes, would be great. Yeah, by the time the snow melts. So you uh, you would not ride on a day like today, you're saying? I personally would not ride on a day like today outdoors. No, no I wouldn't. But there are people. Prob- there are probably people who would, I would bet. Yes, and, and I call some of my, them my friends. It's yeah. very interesting. I'm not sure where they're holding in their head, but uh, definitely good friends of mine. But Rabbi Marchuk, no snow is expected on June 24th, according to the long-range forecast. So you have nothing to worry about on the 24th. Of June, you'll be able to lead the Bike NCSY group and raise a tremendous amount of money and have a, a really, really wonderful day uh, biking the, how many miles is it that day? 
So there are five options wow. uh, from the novice to the expert. We uh, you can go as, uh, as as small as 15 miles. Um, uh-huh. There's 33, 55, 100, and actually we had two participants last year that decided that 100 was not enough for them and left uh, early in the morning and biked from Brooklyn to uh, to Poughkeepsie that whole day and spent the whole day on their bikes. Um, all in all, they ended up riding about 200 miles. Have you decided which one you're going to be uh, entering? So I, I have done the 100, but uh, when you're running the event, I don't know if I can uh, take the time to do that. But my, my <laughs> team in the office is telling me they want me on that bike. So we'll see. There's an argument between me doing the 15 and the 33. I'm saying the 15, they're saying the 33. All right. So either way, it'll be a significant number, and uh, you'll be raising yeah. some good money. Explain to everybody uh, why Bike NCSY was founded. What are we trying to support? What are we trying to do with the funds that people are collecting uh, as as folks are sponsoring them in this big bike NCSY ride. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, the focus and the goals of NCSY are so grand and so glorious that we bring in teenager boys and girls to move up their levels from Judaism from one level to another and to really make a bond with Torah. But at the end of the day, it's time to go ahead when they graduate high school to go to, to, go to Eretzschel to learn for a year or hopefully more, and they turn to us to help them get and accomplish those goals. And the uh, reality is, is that many, many, many families, you know, whether they're yeshiva day school and definitely public school kids, have never been in a position to even think about the fact about sending their, their young men and women, these, these uh, post-high school graduates, to Israel. The funds that we raise goes to helping those NCSYers of ours, boys and girls, yeshiva day school, public school kids, to get to that, to get to the glory land, to get to the holy land. So, it's, so the money we go ahead and raise push to there. Essentially, it's a study in Israel scholarship fund. That's basically what it is. The more money is raised, the more you can help people, young young men and women who want to go to Israel and study Torah. Exactly. All right. right now, uh, there are people out there who are riders because you know that number continues to increase in terms of riders of bikes in our community. How do they get information about registering and participating on the twenty fourth of June? So, uh, so everything is there on our website at bike.ncsy.org. Um, if they uh, all the all is to, laid out and written for you there. However, that if you're interested in having more conversations and uh, have questions, please reach out to us at bike at ncsy.org or two one two six one three eight one four five. That's two one two six one three eight one four five to uh to connect and to ask any questions you have about it we're, we're really excited about the event i have to tell you you mentioned that the riders keep you know signing up we actually by the time you know our inaugural year last year we ended up by the time the the tires hit the road at just under 70 riders wow. and i'm really really proud to say that uh less than one month into our launch of our site we are up to already over 40 riders for this year very nice a lot of commitment out there, people who want to help out, and also people, as you've explained many times, who just who enjoy these rides, who enjoy the rides, and it's a challenge for people who are on their bike constantly on a daily, weekly, whatever you know type of basis they're on. This is a great challenge for them and one that they enjoy, and also a very safe environment, right? You got the whole uh, route um, uh, laid out for everybody with uh, all the uh, all the different um, uh, aid stations along the way, etc. So it's a good way for people to really challenge themselves and make some money for NCSY. Yeah, 100%. The, everything is laid out for you. There's, there's directional maps of where to go. It takes, us, you, it takes you over multiple times, twice in, at the beginning of the ride or in the end of the ride, over the uh, walkway over the Hudson Valley, which is absolutely stunning. You want to see pictures from the day, you can go to our website also. It's on the bottom of the homepage, pictures of the whole day. And, uh, and basically, it's actually not just for the people that are on their bikes, but we are looking at Bike NCSY to be an opportunity for anyone and everyone to get, to get involved. We're still, we're still hopeful for you, Nachum, by the way. Yeah. We spoke about this last year. No, we're hoping. But <laughs> I'll keep hoping. <laughs> but um, but it, it really is an opportunity with the, with the real fever and excitement there is going on in our neighborhood and our communities that, uh, uh, regarding biking that anyone can get started, and even they can get started, yes, even in this weather indoors, and, uh, and then continue on their way outdoors. And we're really reaching the, you know, the, 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 the breadth and width of the community. I mean, we have people signed up right now from the five towns, Teaneck, Washington Heights, Brooklyn, Queens, and Lakewood. But not only that, it doesn't stop there. We have people signed up from Albany, Cleveland, and Milwaukee that are making, uh, planning on making a whole weekend of this and, uh, and, and looking forward to a great opportunity to get on their bikes and uh, to, to kick off their summer 
Very cool. Bike NCSY happens on June the 24th. You know why it's so important. We want to make sure to send as many young men and women to Israel to study Torah as possible. The more money that's made at Bike NCSY, the more uh, students can be sent to Israel. And the Bike NCSY happens on June the 24th. There is a website, bike.ncsy.org, bike.ncsy.org. We ask everyone who wants to ride to register ASAP. We're asking everybody who wants to sponsor a rider to sponsor Rabbi Yoshua Marchuk or any of the other wonderful riders who you will see on the website. And by the way, we should mention Bike NCSY is raffling off a specialized fact carbon model bicycle sponsored by Roy's the day of Bike NCSY. Now, I don't know what that means, but Rabbi Marchuk, I assume that's a big deal in the biking world. That's a very big deal in the biking world. Roy's is, uh, has been a sponsor of ours now for a second year, and they have uh, generously put out specialized, uh, a specialized carbon bike. It's uh, you know, a few thousand dollar value, and uh, it uh, really can jumpstart someone from a, uh, from, from a novice to even a you know, much higher level. And for someone that's uh, looking to get their first bike, it's really a, a jumpstart in the right direction, which is pretty amazing. All right. You, there, you know what else? Yeah. What yeah. else is also very interesting? I want to make sure that uh, that everyone knows one of the unique points of our ride is that not only does it have for the different levels of riders, but also the different the different age brackets and genders. We have we have preteens, we have men, we have women, we have collegiates, we have grandfathers and grandmothers are all signed up. It really can be a tremendous family day, and uh, many take take advantage of it. Well, officially, the youngest rider can be how old? He can be he, he or she can be uh, about I think about ten years old. Oh, great! As okay. long as they're with as long as they're with a parent or guardian, someone that's going to take the responsibility for them. And then obviously, you know, that's not necessary when you get in, in the higher teenage years. Rabbi Marchuk is director of NCSY alumni. Help him get as many students as possible to Israel. All you need to do is one of two things: register now for Bike NCSY on June the twenty fourth, or support one of the riders. Have a whole list of great riders, including Rabbi Marchuk. We're going to be riding that day to support NCSY. Uh, information, bike.ncsy.org, bike.ncsy.org. Right, Mark, Chuck, good luck with this. I'm glad it's off to a great start, and we'll check in as we get closer and closer to the event. Thank you so much, Nachum. Looking forward, and yes, we're all going to keep pushing for Nachum to sign up as well. You can say that again. We'll be pushing is right. Uh, you may have to push me up and down those hills. That was my conversation with Rabbi Yeshua Marchuk. Check out Bike NCSY and sponsor a rider generously. Uh, that wraps up this week's edition of JM Rewind. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at the Malcolm Siegel Network.